Hi, it's Elle from the future speaking. Um, so I forgot to plug in my microphone for the first like two minutes of this podcast um episode. So bear with the first grainy two and a half minutes. I am so sorry. I am so t- stupid, honestly, dumb, um, oblivious to everything around me. Um, the audio will get better after those. Well, I guess it's going to be like two. Okay, the audio will get better, I promise. (laughs) See you soon. Hi, my beautiful friends. Um, What the heck is up? I I don't know why I started like that. Um, Oh my god, it has been a minute since I've done this. I know, I'm terrible, I'm awful, I'm the worst person in the world. Um, AKA, grad student. So, Hi. Um, it's been a minute. It's been a few months. Um, a lot has happened, but also nothing has changed. Um, I've completed my first semester of criminal justice, um, or master's of professional studies in criminal justice. Um, I finished with a 4.0, two claps for me. Okay. No more bragging. Um, what else happened? I don't know. Oh, I feel like a lot has happened, but also like not enough to update you guys on. Not that I think, at least. Um, I'm back working at the children spot <laughs> that I worked at before, um, just for the summer, and then I'll go back to the school during the school year. Um, I just got back from a trip from Colorado with Matthew and his mom and brother, and then. My best friend slash roommate and I are going to Chicago soon. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really nice taking a break. Um, I'm sorry it was low key unannounced, but I'm back for now, and that's all I have to say on that. Um, one moment, please. What I just I feel like there's so much that I could update you guys on, but I can't think of it right now. Um. I got, like, four new tattoos <laughs> since we last spoke, I think. Um, I also... I don't know. I just, I feel like there's so much to talk about. Um, but basically, just wanted to say hello. I will be covering a case today. I'm not just being like, hey, um, okay, bye. Um, but basically, I'm just going through the motions, trying to get back into the swing of things. And let's just freaking get right into it okay friends okay also today i went to a farmer's market um in my town and it was so cute um that's all i i I just love farmer's market i love i wore overalls and i just felt like the little gardening queen that i want to be so bad um i bought some natural soap from one of my friend's moms who worked the farmer's market i bought a ring um from this lady that does like handmade rings with crystals and stones and stuff. I bought some almonds because I am a um, R-rated word for some sugar-coated almonds. Um, So I did that. I bought I bought some like peach jam I think. Or no, it was elderberry. It was elderberry jam. Um, What else did I buy? I feel like there's so much more.
I don't know, but we also got coffee and we also donated a bunch of stuff. We, as in Madeline and I, my best friend slash roommate, um, we also got coffee and donated a bunch of stuff. And then I went and checked out her storefront that her business, not like her business, like she doesn't own it, but she works for the company. Um, they have a storefront that we went and saw because I haven't visited it, visited yet since it opened. Um, I think... I think that's all. Okay. I think now we can freaking get into it. Okay. So grab a snack, grab a drink, grab your projects. Oh yeah. Um, I'm crocheting a pillow right now. <laughs> what? How could I forget that? It's been a minute. Okay. It's been a minute, but yes, grab, grab a drink, grab a snack, grab your projects and let's freaking get into this friends. Also, I am getting to the point where like, I'm forgetting the cases that I've covered. Um, and I'm fearing, dreading actually the moment that I cover a case twice um and you think that I would be like oh this seems really familiar um I probably should check if I've covered this you see the thing is that requires effort um which is something I lack greatly um or I lack the ability to give so to say um and plus when I see a case and I look into it and I'm like oh this is really familiar it's because I feed myself so much true crime content that it I know everything I'm so smart I'm the smartest person in the entire world actually hey are you crazy ladies um I'm not gonna lie it's been a full day since I last spoke to you um Madeline and Matthew came home from work and they were like yo we want Long Island iced teas and so we went to our local sports bar and got um Long Island iced teas um so that's that and that's fine and sometimes you just have to especially when they're four dollars um but i'm just gonna now now get into it um so today (laughs) we're gonna be talking about um the icon true legend colleen stan um and bear with me while i once again, get the hang of this. Okie dokie. So, Colleen Stan was born on December 31st, 1956. She lived in Oregon. Um, dream state, by the way. And for the majority of her life thus far, she was a pretty normal person, you know. Um, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, on May 19th in 1977, Colleen, being 20, was feeling, you know, she's feeling funky, feeling adventurous. And she decided to hitchhike from Oregon to California. I personally truly do not understand how people willingly just like hitchhike. Um, but I also know that that's coming from a place of privilege where I have a car. And um, it was a different time. Still scary though. Um, also, side note, when my brother was younger, he thought that, like the no hitchhiking signs meant that you weren't allowed to do a thumbs up in those towns. Um Anyways, the entire reason that Colleen wanted wanted to travel to California was because she wanted to surprise one of her best friends for their birthday. Um, despite Colleen being extremely careful with who she decided to accept a ride from, she decided to get into the car with the wrong person or people, should I say. Um, Colleen was only about two hours away from her friend's house when she accepted a ride from the people who were going to make the next, make the next seven years of her life a living hell. Um, Janice and Cameron Hooker pulled over with their eight-month-old baby in the car, and Colleen obviously thought that, you know, they were no threat to her because they had a baby. 
That's what everybody thinks. Actually, they just say a woman and they're like, yeah, it's fine, right? No. Um, Colleen initially felt fine while riding in the backseat of the hooker's car, but every time she would catch Cameron looking at her in the rearview mirror, her stomach would sink a little bit deeper. Um, at one point, Cameron pulled into a gas station where Colleen used the restroom, and she later recalls thinking about jumping out of the window of the gas station and running into the woods. Excuse me, I just burped. Um, but she just pushed that feeling down because she she thought they were nice people. They, they seemed like nice people. Um, and she didn't know why her gut was telling her that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, always trust your gut. Unless it's a fart. Never, never trust a fart. Our air conditioning just kicked on. Sorry. Um, everything seemed fine until Colleen watched Cameron pull off onto a deserted road and jump out of the driver's seat. He proceeded to hold a knife to her throat and threaten her life while blindfolding, gagging, and handcuffing her. Um, and then sitting next to Colleen the entire time she'd been in the back seat was this wooden box. Um, you can look up pictures of the wooden box, or maybe I'll put a photo on Instagram of the wooden box, but basically it had like a neck hole and hinges that would keep it open and shut, and it like made her not able to see. I I don't know. Um so yeah, he placed that box over over her head and then continued to drive to their house. Uh, Upon arrival, Cameron led Colleen down into the basement where he demanded that she sit on top of the deep freeze or stand on top of the deep freeze and remove all of her clothing. And then after she did that, he tied her arms to the beams of the ceiling and removed the deep freeze from underneath her. So her body was basically like suspended from the ceiling. Um, Some reports say that the box itself had like a hook on top of it so that she was hanging from like her head and her arms. But then other places say that she just hung from her wrists um so yeah she hung from the ceiling regardless which is so bad so awful um sadly cameron then started torturing colleen for multiple hours with the whip only to leave her hanging by her wrists for the rest of the night with colleen not being expected in california and her family thinking that she was going off on a surprise trip no one was really alarmed or even aware of her absence Um, but thankfully, eventually her roommates took notice of what they thought to be an extended stay and contacted her parents who were also unaware of her whereabouts. Um, Colleen's parents actually drove over 700 miles between California and Oregon, stopping in every single town along the way to ask people if they'd seen her or if they know where she might be. Um, and then while search parties were out looking and family, family members were out handing flyers, Uh, Colleen was laying in a closed coffin for roughly 23 hours a day, only to be let out for an hour of torture and a single meal slash bathroom break. Um, While all of this was happening, Janice and Cameron, keep in mind Janice is the wife, Cameron's the torturer. Um, Janice and Cameron lived their lives as they normally would. Janice would care for the baby all day long and Cameron would go to work. When he would return from work, he would go down to the basement and spend his night torturing Colleen with all of these different devices that he would invent. You can also look those up for yourself, but I refuse to speak about them because they are nasty. Um, For eight months, eight entire months, this routine continued. Colleen laid in a coffin, blindfolded and naked for 23 hours a day and was let out for a single hour. Um, She never once for this entire eight months had her blindfold removed. After about eight months of this, Cameron finally took her blindfold off and she was able to see the room that she was contained in for the very first time. 
After Cameron removed her blindfold, he showed her his giant collection of BDSM magazines. Um, now, I'm personally not into any of that, and I don't kink shame either, but I'm fairly certain that BDSM also requires, uh, I don't know, consent? Like, that's, that's literally the whole point. Hello? Um... But yeah, Cameron showed her his BDSM magazine collection and then handed her a contract that she had to sign, which, um, spoiler alert, it was fake and made up by Cameron. Um, the contract basically stated that she was Cameron's property and Cameron worked for a BDSM slave trade called The Company, and if she didn't sign it, he would give her away to someone who was much worse than him. And she obviously believed him because, hello, like, psychological torture, the will to survive, and fear... Um, but Cameron also informed Colleen that the company was always watching her and that if she ever tried to escape, they would notify people who would come kill her and then find her family and kill them as well. Keep that in mind. It's a very important piece of this case. Um, and he also told her that to the company, his name was Michael Powers or Mike Powers and that her name was K as in like the letter K. Um, this was later linked back to the book called The Story of O, which is about a woman in the BDSM lifestyle. Apparently, he was obsessed with that book, but I think he forgot the, like, consensual and willing participant aspect of it. Um, but yeah, the contract also forced Colleen to refer to Cameron as master, and she was only allowed to speak if Cameron gave her the permission to do so. So, it's, it's a great, I don't know why I'm trying to make a joke out of it. <laughs> Um, after signing the contract, her conditions improved, if you could call it that. Uh, she was still held in the box for 23 hours a day, but she was allowed to wear clothes and also wasn't blindfolded anymore. Um, so take that with, as you will, I guess. I don't know. After a year of holding Colleen captive, Janice and Cameron decided to move to a mobile home, um, keeping Colleen as prisoner. But because they didn't have a room to hide Colleen in anymore... Cameron made a small box that fit into the frame of the couple's waterbed. Excuse me, I just burped again. Um, yeah, so Colleen was kept in a box under the couple's bed. And thinking about that makes me physically ill because I'm not claustrophobic, but uh, it makes me want, it makes me claustrophobic? I don't know. Um, thankfully, once again, if you can even say that, Colleen was allowed a bit more freedom when they moved into this mobile home. Um, she was let out during the day to do household chores as well as care for the hookers now two children. So yes, during this time they and they had another child. Um, but during this time, Cameron forced Colleen to help him dig a hole under the shed in the yard to build what Cameron called the dungeon. Um, Cameron planned on kidnapping more children, more children, oh my god, no, more women, and doing to them what he had done to Colleen. Um, and he wanted Colleen's help. Sick and twisted. As time went on, Cameron and Janice would let Colleen out more and more, unsupervised. Uh, regardless of this and the neighbors and phones available, Colleen never ran away or tried to get help because she was so scared of the company and she was so brainwashed. Um, after the four years of being held captive, Cameron let Colleen make a single phone call home to let people know that she was okay, except Cameron told Colleen that the company was listening in on the phone call. And that she even hinted at the fact that something was wrong. They would hurt her and her family. So, when she called back home, her younger sister answered. And she explained to her sister that she was alive and she was fine. Um, 
but she only had a, a really little time to talk. Um, and her family later on explained that they just thought she joined a religious cult and they didn't want to pry her um, or upset her by contacting authorities. So they just left it alone. And you can't blame them. What, what would you do? Honestly, what would you do? So a few months later, Cameron randomly told Colleen that she could go visit her family. Um, so they did just that. <laughs> Cameron and Colleen showed up unannounced and introduced Cameron as Colleen's boyfriend, Michael Powers. He ended up leaving Colleen with her family unsupervised for 24 hours, claiming that he had a convention to go to. And she never once said a word about needing help. She was so brainwashed. Keep that in mind. <laughs> um, once again, her family later stated that they were so scared to ask her too many questions for fear that she would cut them all off again. Because um, at this point in their heads, they're thinking that, that she's a willing being, um, not contacting them and living life. Uh, but they just wanted to cherish the time that they had with her and hoped that it would grant them more visitation in the future. And when Cameron or Michael returned to get Colleen and take her back home. He informed the family that they were actually about to buy a house together and that they would send contact information when they found a place. So after this visit, Cameron sent her back to the box for 23 hours a day with only one hour of bathroom and eating time. Um, it is speculated that Cameron feared the information she had shared with her family during the her un unsupervised visit and wanted to play it safe by keeping her hidden again. I don't, I don't know. In 1983, though, Janice developed an interest in Christianity and began reading the Bible and praying more. Um, and on the few occasions that Colleen was allowed out of her box, she would actually sit and talk with Janice about how she was also a practicing Christian. Um, and then more and more, Janice would allow Colleen out of the box during the day when Cameron was out working and they would sit and read the Bible together and pray together. Um, they actually formed, like, a pretty decent bond over the Bible and Christianity and God and all of that. Um, so after speaking with Janice, Cameron actually allowed Janice and Colleen to go to church together on the weekends. Um, Colleen thinks that being exposed to the church and the people in the church really changed Colleen. Sorry, that was not. Colleen thinks that being exposed to church and the people in the church really changed Janice's heart and made her aware of the fact that, like, she had to do something about what Cameron was doing. So, while Janice was mustering up the courage to expose her husband, Cameron was actually growing more and more in love with Colleen and wanted her to become his second wife. Yeah. Um, because of this, he allowed her to get a job at a local motel. Um, and despite the fact of being out in public unsupervised, she still did not tell anyone about what Cameron was doing to her. Yeah, um, I'm not blaming her at all. That's not what I'm doing, but I'm just... The level, the amount of brain... I, I just, I keep saying brainwashing because that's really what it is. She was so brainwashed. But finally... On August 9th, 1984, Janice broke. Uh, she revealed to Colleen that Cameron was not part of the company and that the company was not watching her every move. Um, with the company being the only thing that was keeping Colleen from running away, she now felt the courage to flee. So, that very next morning, Colleen fled to the nearest bus station, 
and called Cameron from a payphone there. She informed him that she was leaving and that was that. Um, And then for the next three months, Colleen continued her life as normal. She didn't inform police or her family about what she had gone through. And she actually kept in contact with Cameron as in like daily, couple times a day phone calls. Um, She said that she believed he could change and become a better person with the right work. And that's why she didn't inform authorities at the time. Um, And on November 8th, 1984, Janice made a game-changing move. She sat down with the pastor of the church that she and Colleen attended and began to reveal everything that had been going on for the past seven years. Thankfully, though, the pastor decided to call in authorities and listen to Janice's story. Um, And four days later, the police tracked down Colleen. After speaking with Colleen, or before speaking to Colleen, they didn't want to believe Janice because it just seemed so bogus. But after speaking with Colleen, they kind of realized that Janice's stories were real. Um, they thought that a person who endured this much trauma as Colleen would be in much worse shape than Colleen was. And then to that, I say never underestimate the strength of a woman. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, after Colleen's story was told and it matched the one Janice recited earlier, the police had no other option but to believe Colleen. That, I made that so much more confusing than it needed to be. (laughs) So Cameron Hooker was eventually arrested and a trial date was set. Um, Janice was granted immunity if she agreed to testify against her husband during the trial um, because she had helped Colleen escape and in the eyes of the law that deemed immunity. Um, Although nothing in Cameron's life could have indicated that he was capable of such brutal things, the two homes that they owned during this period revealed everything they needed to know. Inside the homes, countless leather straps, head boxes, ceiling hooks, chains, and all of the torture devices were discovered which all corroborated with both Janice and Colleen's stories. Um, In addition to the devices, his obscure collection of BDSM magazines and photos he had taken of Colleen during her torturing were found. Um, There were even, like, rolls of film that had yet to be developed found that were... They contained um, pictures of Colleen. I'll just leave it at that. Um... But the trial part of this case was a joke. Honestly, a joke. Um, I don't know exactly when the term Stockholm Syndrome syndrome was coined, but it must have been after these people heard about this case because they truly acted like Colleen was a consenting party in this situation. Um, they dug up love letters that Colleen had sent to Cameron and claimed that that was proof that he wasn't guilty. Um, They also claimed that she had so many opportunities to run away and didn't, therefore he wasn't guilty. They they truly must have not known what trauma bonding or brainwashing meant before this, or they were just like slum attorneys doing their job, I guess, which makes perfect sense. Um, But the jury ultimately found Cameron guilty of kidnapping and rape, which landed him 104 years. Luckily, Colleen was able to go on and live a normal life as she can life um she went to college and gained a degree in accounting she got married and had a daughter whom she named danielle um and colleen now uses her platform to speak about the signs of brainwashing domestic abuse and abuse against women um and although it is believed that cameron hooker will never be let out his next parole hearing is actually set for this year um 
his last one was in 2015 and he was denied obviously so we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed that that stays in theme um but yeah that's the that's the case of calling um stan i forgot her last name sorry um i i have never gotten better at ending these episodes um i also need a new chair if y'all can't hear that now it's gonna be quiet okay um yeah i don't know what i'm saying anymore it's been a long weekend um i started back up at the children's center that i work at and i truly forgot how exhausting children are um but it's fine i love them it's fine um i am going to change i know you guys are like oh god i'm gonna change the schedule of my posting and i'm going to change it to basically i post whenever the frick i can because i'm a busy gal guys i am a big girl um i have big girl things to do so it's no longer going to be sundays at 8 a.m it's going to be like maybe on a wednesday um and the next week it'll maybe be on a friday it's just kind of whenever i can sit down for like 12 hours research a case and then record it so <laughs> um with that being said hello thanks for wel- welcoming me back with open arms um i appreciate you guys for being patient with me when i go rogue for multiple months at a time Uh, i don't mean to and i feel like ass the entire time i'm doing it so thank you um i'll see you soon lock your doors and don't talk to creepy men that's that's that